and he is here to do miracles. Um, and I just want to encourage us, we can open up our hearts for, for us to receive him. Part of the way that we do that is by um, trying to pay as much attention as possible. During our time of worship, right, it's amazing how when we respond through singing, it's like the truth comes alive because we hear it in our own voice. It's like our voice is speaking to our ears. It's penetrating our heart, right? Sometimes when we raise up a hand, right, oh, man, that truth comes a little bit more clear, right? I'm able to receive a little bit more than it has for us. Can I tell you that part of worshiping is hearing the word of God? And so what we're doing right now, we are participating in the opportunity for God's truth to penetrate our lives and to affect our world. And so I want to make just a really quick observation. I don't do this very often, um, but I'm going to put on like a dad hat here. Um, something I've noticed. Some of you guys might have noticed this too. Sometimes when people speak, it's, it seems like the moment where people get antsy, doesn't it? People need to get up. Oh, man, I think I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, did I leave my phone downstairs? Like, what happened, right? So we get a little bit of antsy, and we kind of move around. And I don't know if you've noticed, but when people get up and move around, I see you, Jared. I love you, man. I love you. Uh, uh, aunt, we, have, we have this awesome hardwood floor, right? Uh, and, and we can hear it, and it, it can be distracting. And so here's what I, all, all I want to do. And, and listen, I'm saying this with a smile. This is all grace, right? All grace. Um, can we hang on for like, it's like 26 minutes. 26 minutes. I think so. I think so. Maybe like give or take, plus or minus one or two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, and like, like I said, like if, if, you, if you need to use the restroom, man, don't hurt yourself. You can go, you can go. But let's lock in because I feel like God has got something for us tonight, okay? Okay, great. Hey, Jesus... We know you're here. We've experienced your presence. You want to work in our lives. And so, Lord, we open ourselves up to you. As an act of worship, we pay attention to how you want to speak through the word that you conveyed thousands of years ago through Paul, but now presenting it afresh again through the power of your Holy Spirit. So, God, we say that we want to receive. We say we want to be transformed, not just for us, not just so that we can live our best life, but so that your kingdom come and your will can be done here on this campus at VCU, at Virginia Union, at Reynolds College, at Randolph-Macon, amongst the 70,000 college students here in the city of Richmond. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we are going to get there in just a minute. But I have a confession to make to you. Uh, I am a runner. I'm a runner. I love running. Love running. Thank you, Marcus, also a runner. I know there's a couple of other runners in here. I met Eugene. Eugene's a runner. He's on the track team. Virginia Union. Let's go. Go Panthers. He's fast. He ran like, what, 16, 10 miles, a 16K in like a little over an hour. That's, that's, that's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. I'm not that fast. Uh, but I started running early. I started running in grade school. 
Ran my first 10K when I was 12 years old. Um, that's a little over six miles. Um, and then when I got to high school, my older brother was on the cross-country team. And so I thought, hey, I like running. My brother's on the team. He's a senior. I'm a freshman. He'll, he'll like, he'll kind of like give me a, like a, 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 a windbreak to run behind, right? I'm there. I'm doing it. So when they announced the interest meeting for the cross-country team, I was there. And the only thing I needed to know, when do we start? Um, well, the answer came the next day. And the answer was never. Because there was not enough guys to actually field a team. They're like, the coach is like, I'm out. I don't want to do it. No cross country. I was like, I was disappointed. So later that day, um, my older brother and I were hanging out at the YMCA pool. And his friend Dan walks up to him. And he's like, Tony, this is my older brother, you should join the water polo team. My brother, Tony, was a hard no. Don't want to do it. But I was interested. I mean, I was having this opportunity to join a team, and I'm like, I don't care what it is. I want to play a sport. I don't know. Do they still have, like, varsity letter jackets in your high schools? Anybody? Do they have those? I wanted a varsity letter. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I think I can earn it playing water polo. I didn't know much about water polo. I wasn't sure how they got the horses to swim. The entire time? No, that's not. That's not it. That, that's a little bit more like water polo. Do you guys know what water polo is? Like think soccer in the pool, okay? But it's a little bit more vicious than soccer. Um, so I found myself the next day at 6 a.m. in the school pool learning how to play water polo. And it was a pretty dreadful sight. I was just kind of struggling to keep my head above the water. Uh, and if you thought that was bad, after I was rescued from drowning, not literally, not literally, but I felt like it. I felt like it. I found out that the, ne the first game was going to be that next day. I'm not sure why I stayed. Maybe just because I like to gut things out. Like, I got to finish what I started. Um, and so I was on the bench for the first water polo match, Strong Vincent High School against Erie Tech. Um, listen, I was not a follower of Jesus then, but I was earnestly praying that I would stay firmly planted on the bench because I could not play water polo. Here's the deal. It was a rout. It was a rout. We had a five-goal lead in the first period. Our goalie scored from the other end of the pool. Like, he was in his own net, and he scored on the other team. They were like, boom, you guys stink. Uh, by the time the game was nearing completion, probably two minutes left, we had a 10-goal lead. My coach, Coach Lampy, saw me at the end of the bench. I probably had like white knuckles gripped to the end of the wood. Um, but he said the words that were the most terrifying that I'd ever heard. He said, Godswa, you're in the game. Now you probably know exactly what happened. Some of you may have heard this story before. But I was swimming in the corner of the pool, minding my own business. Just trying to like swimming casually. You know what? I don't need to get involved. But of course, the ball lands right in front of me. Perfect pass. All I need to do 
is lift my arm up out of the water and throw the ball into the empty net. That's all I need to do. But I couldn't do it because I was too tired from treading water. Listen, in basketball, you might have heard, you know, Air Jordans, it's all about the shoes. But I can tell you from firsthand experience, just dressing like a water polo player does not make you one. We've all had moments like this, haven't we? Now, I'm sure none of you have had that experience on a high school water polo match. But we never want to feel like rookies, do we? Whether it's at a recital or a party or the first day of class or a first date or an Instagram reel, we want to look like we know what we're doing. I don't know about you, but I want it right the first time and every time. Can I tell you the truth? You guys know this. Life doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. Tonight we're wrapping up our series. It's called The Story We're In. And it's a reminder, this is the reminder that I want to give us. Our story is not over in an instant. Do you guys know that uh, there's a new Captain Marvel movie coming out? It's called The Marvels. It's also going to be, yeah, Moises is going to be there. He's lining up already. He's got his tickets. He's pre-ordered. Um, it's also going to be the shortest Marvel movie ever. 93-minute runtime. Can I tell you what? I'm out. I am not paying $14 for that short of film. Here's the thing. We know that every good story is filled with ups and downs, twists and turns, and character development. Our story is the same. But the question is this. What are we developing into? What are we developing into? Jasmine shared this powerful metaphor last week. Wasn't that a great message that Jasmine shared last week? But listen, she shared this powerful metaphor when we looked at Galatians chapter 3 and 4. She said, becoming a disciple of Jesus is like making a pickle. Right, you guys remember that? Did you guys get a little bit hungry for a pickle when she was talking about that? Just wait, just wait, just wait. So a cucumber needs to stay in the brine for as long as six weeks for transformation to be complete. Man, six weeks, that's like an eternity. Especially when you want that nice, thinly sliced pickle for your sandwich. You're like, I can't wait that long. I need to eat. But here's the deal. If you choose to do that, if you drop that cucumber in, that salty water, it will turn into a pickle if you just give it time. Little by little, bit by bit, a total transformation happens. But, but, in order to get that dill or that sweet or that bread and butter, mmm, flavor, you've got to leave that cucumber in the juice. It's got to stay there. You can't pull it out. Listen, in order to become like Jesus, we need to remain in him. We need to remain in him. Or if Paul says in Galatians 3.27, he says we're baptized into Christ. Some of you guys were baptized on fall retreat. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. It is a one-time deal. It's a one-time deal. You're immersed in the, this idea of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Right? Dying to your old self, raising to new life. But here's the other part that I think is so important to understand. Is that that baptism 
helps us to recognize that only, it, here's this one-time deal, but we can live immersed in Jesus. Or Paul continues on and says, we actually can clothe ourselves in him. Listen, we can't help but be changed if we're plunged into the middle of Jesus' story. He will transform us. But as Jasmine shared, I had this powerful revelation. And I, I almost wanted to share, but I'm like, you know what? I'm speaking next week. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it to next week. Here's the deal. You and I, we are already pickles. We are. We, you're a pickle. Let me tell you what I mean. Our lives have already been dramatically affected by our relationships, our experiences, our media consumption, our joys, our disappointments. All the stuff of life is what seasons us. And the truth is, is this. What we soak in, we will show. What we soak in, we will show. And can I tell you, there are some strange pickles out there. Let me give you some examples. Let me give you some examples. Ever hear of a Mexican candy pickle? I don't know, Galley, do you know what I'm talking about? That's, there it is, Mexican candy pickle. I don't know, I'm not, I don't think I want to try it. Um, next, next one, next one here. Here's another pickle. These look normal, but they're not. They're monster energy pickles. What do you think, late night study session? Keep yourself a little bit more awake. Come on, Monster Energy. Listen, if you're interested, they're available on Etsy. They're $20, okay? <laughs> buy them up, buy them up. Next one, next one. What's the next one? Warhead Pickles. Woo, extra sour. And last but not least, everybody's favorite, it's the Tropical. The Tropical. That's right. Look at that. That's great value. That's great value. Abraham, Adam, have you seen that on the store shelves? Yo, I don't know. It is actually a cucumber soaked in fruit punch. You can make it yourself with Kool-Aid, okay? Listen, 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 listen. Let's bring it back together. What we soak in, we will show. And the truth is, is that my life... And many of your lives out there have been given some pretty strange, sometimes unappealing flavors. And that flavor is in us. In the natural, once something is pickled, it stays pickled, right? I mean, it doesn't turn back into a cucumber again. But here's the beauty of the transforming work of Jesus. When we're in him, we are transformed. He has the ability to work at the subatomic level to change who we are. It is miraculous. Uh, he shares with the Corinthians, Paul shares with the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And so the miracle that happens when we open ourselves up to Jesus' work is that he literally transforms who we are. We don't have to be limited by our past. We're no longer defined only by our failures or our weaknesses. In Jesus, our future hope is based on his unending love and limitless power. But we need to stay in Jesus. We need to stay in Jesus. And that's what leads us to tonight's passage. 
Verse 16 in chapter 5 of Galatians says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul has just spent his entire letter helping his friends in the Galatian churches understand that Jesus rewrote their story. It is different. It is changed. They have been transformed. Paul explained in chapter 3 that before we were in Christ, we were under the control of sin. In another place, he says we were actually enslaved by it. We would naturally make choices that would continue to damage our relationship with our loving Heavenly Father and damage our relationship with people in our lives. It's just a natural effect of who we were at that time. It's only the power of Jesus that has given us the ability to be free. We can live differently because of what Jesus has done for us. Paul is saying is if you're in Jesus, you are not locked into the losing cycle of trying in vain to be better. We can choose to live out that transformation that Jesus began in us. But to go back to that pickle metaphor, the Galatians, and I think we have too, have been trying to jump back into that bad brine that Jesus rescued us from. In verse 16, he's talking about the influence of the Spirit. He's telling the Galatians to walk by the Spirit. The image that comes to my mind are two friends that are walking together. Maybe it's on the beach, maybe it's in the park. Do you ever have that situation when you're like walking on the sidewalk over here and there's two friends walking together? And you're thinking, that person is probably going to like step aside so I can walk by, but they keep walking. And you're like, you're kind of off to the side. You're like, man, they, here's... Let, let's, let's turn this around. They're not being um, rude to you. They're just involved in that relationship. They want to walk in step with each other. The thing is, is that when you're walking with a friend, somebody might have a longer stride or a shorter stride, but you match pace together so that you can stay in relationship. You can talk. You can learn from each other. You can do what that other person is doing. And so what Paul is saying is this. When you're walking by the Spirit, you do what the Spirit is doing. And if that's true, then what Paul also says is you do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, it's important to understand what Paul's talking about when he uses this term flesh. Because I think we have this tendency to get it a little bit wrong. Listen, he's not speaking, when he's talking about flesh, he's not speaking about skin and bones. He's not speaking about our physical bodies. There's not some good and evil dualism between our spirit and our physical bodies. That's not true. We are embodied spirits. We're embodied spirits. The only way we experience God is through our physical bodies. And so God wants to interact with us through our physical bodies. Listen, what we hope for is the one day when heaven and earth will come together and we will be living for eternity in renewed bodies. We're not going to be spirits floating around. 
So our bodies are important. What Paul is talking about here is more of like a sinful nature or, or a human weakness. It's the part of ourselves that says stuff like this. Hey, why stop at two Oreos when I can eat the whole sleeve? You know what I'm saying, right? It's the, I'm going to get what's mine no matter what it takes. It's the, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win that money. You don't talk about rally television, anybody? Um, it's the, hey, it's no big deal. No one will notice. It's the justification we make. Hey, this is the last time, I promise. Or much more seriously, it was on display this weekend in the Middle East. On both sides of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, it's the dehumanization of an enemy that allows unspeakable atrocities. All of these ideas come from our sinful nature. Our human weakness. It's part of our lives that's become infected by sin through sometimes our own actions, sometimes the actions of other people, sometimes just as a result of living in a sin-sick world. But there's good news. Praise God. Because of what Jesus has provided for us in his life and his death and resurrection, we don't have to live that way any longer. We can make a choice. To walk in freedom. We've been given that power. Once before we were powerless against sin. We were enslaved to sin. But Jesus has given us the ability to walk in freedom. Paul is reminding us. Come on. Yeah, that's worthy of a clap. Paul is reminding us what we soak in we will show. If we walk by the Spirit, we will stay in step with the Spirit. So what are you soaking in? What are you soaking in? I'm convicted today because I know as I look at my life, I have followed the same path that the Galatians have. I've allowed myself to be invited back into that brine of a life without God. What does that look like? Well, a couple things come to my mind. I think a couple themes come out as we start thinking about some of the stuff that we have a tendency to soak in. One is it's the brine of Competition. It's the brine of competition. This idea, uh, this is the idea that puts success as the foremost goal of our individual lives. We have a tendency to think of our lives in economic terms. What do I mean by this? If my grade point average, my bank account, my body composition, my social media connections, my accolades, if they're all moving in the right direction, then life is good. But how do we know that life is good? Oftentimes, we judge by those around us, don't we? And we compare. And so even if we have a success, even if we do reach a goal, there's always somebody further ahead. And so that leads us to disappointment. It can remove our joy of accomplishment or it can produce envy. Why do they have so much when I don't have enough? And there's always somebody behind us to puff up our pride or to treat with disdain. That's the brine of competition. There's another one that comes to my mind. It's the brine of condemnation. 
Condemnation says, I am flawed beyond hope. I will never be good enough. Now, please hear, I want to be very compassionate when I talk about this idea. Because this kind of thinking often comes from real hurt in our lives. It can come from words spoken to insult us or to scare us into compliance. It can come from physical harm. It can come from abuse. Or it can come from living in a culture or a system that controls us through fear. We often have little control of avoiding this kind of hurt. Listen, if you've experienced anything like this, it's wrong. It was wrong. My heart hurts for you, and it's my desire that your experience in this community in Chi Alpha will lead you to healing and comfort and strength. But what we do have control over is whether or not we will allow those hurts to define us. If we soak in the brine of condemnation, we soak in the brine of condemnation when we believe that we were hurt because in some way we deserved it. Or what we've experienced is because we were not worthy to be treated with respect or love. Can I tell you something? And this is so important. That idea is a lie. It's a lie. And if we allow ourselves to soak in that lie, it can lead us to isolation or self-hatred or even physical harm. But Paul says this in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What we soak in, we will show. These sinful acts, and listen, the, the list is not exhaustive. Paul says, and the like, right? After he mentions the whole drunkenness and orgies. It all, these acts all stem from a life run by our human weakness and our sinful nature. Let me unpack a couple of these, right? Sexual immorality. I will use you purely for my physical pleasure. Idolatry and witchcraft. I am looking for some kind of spiritual charm to help me to win. Hatred, discord, jealousy. I choose to hurt you or a community to help me get ahead or feel better about myself. Drunkenness and orgies. I'm engaging in behaviors to either pursue some kind of advertised happiness or to escape a painful reality. Paul's warning of not inheriting the kingdom. He said those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. It's so often interpreted as a punishment from God. If you do any of these things, God is going to smite you. Can I tell you, that is a misinterpretation of what Paul is trying to say. He's not saying, hey, if you sin, you won't get into heaven. See, Paul says those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Inheritance doesn't come from behavior. Inheritance comes through 
relationship. What Paul is telling the Galatians is that it is impossible to experience all that God has for you, all that Jesus has for us by soaking in our sinful nature. You can't. It will not come. If we soak in our sinful nature, it will show quite possibly in some pretty horrible ways. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Guys, I want these true. I want these things to be true about my life. And can you, can you just listen to this guy with a few gray hairs? <laughs> to let you know that these, this fruit of the Spirit is so much better than any kind of material possession or chasing after an experience. It's so much more permanent than any kind of achievement or affirmation. And I love how what Paul says, against uh, these things, there is no law. Here's how it works. If I'm allowing the Spirit to grow in my heart, His love and joy and peace and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, those are all growing inside of me. It will naturally happen because I'm connected to Him who produces that kind of fruit. So that's the goal, to stay connected to Him. And if that's the case then I don't need to worry about lying or committing murder or coveting or idolatry or any other kind of sin because the truth is that they don't even come to mind. I mean, think about that. If you're walking with your friends, are you thinking, wow, I'm so glad I'm not with this other friend? No, you're not. Man, this friend... I could have been with that other friend, but I'm with this friend now. No, you're paying attention. If you're a good friend, you're paying attention to the relationship right there, right? And if we're paying attention to our relationship with the Spirit, then we're not worried about sin. The goal of the Christian life is not to avoid sin. It's to be more like Jesus. And we can only be more like Jesus when we spend time with him. What we soak in, we will show. So how do we do this? How do we stay in step with the Spirit so he produces this fruit in our lives? I think there's, there's, there's three ways that we can do this. Maybe not only three ways, but those are the three that come to mind. Uh, the first is this, is we need to stay open to an encounter with the Spirit. Here's the truth. God is still speaking. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. Nothing will overwhelm the lives that we've been conditioned to believe more than the voice of truth speaking into us. That's the spirit. I remember standing on the edge of a creek in the Allegheny National Park, struggling with feelings of abandonment that came from the divorce of my parents and the fact that my father moved 3,000 miles away from us. I was invited to pray for the very first time. And that prayer was really simple. It was our camp director 
saying, hey, why don't you ask God what he wants for me this summer? And I did. I prayed a simple prayer. God, what do you want? And he said, I want you. I want you. To somebody who was struggling with the loss of a father who felt like I was not good enough to hear the voice of the living God speak into my heart saying, you are wanted. You are loved. I've chosen you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. He wants to speak words of love and hope and wisdom over you, but he doesn't shout. The only reason why I was able to hear him is because I was invited to stop and tune my ear to what the Spirit might say to me. When we open ourselves up to this kind of an encounter by regularly carving out space in our lives to still ourselves, to quiet our souls, to listen for him, we will be able to hear his still, small voice. So I want to ask you, are you open to an encounter with him? Another way that we can walk by the Spirit is by submitting our experiences to him. By submitting our experience to him. Now, this might take a little bit of explaining. And the way I want to do this, I want to share a story about this guy named Joseph. Some of you guys know about a man named Joseph. Um, you can read about him in Genesis 37 through 50. But if there's anybody who had reason to complain, it's Joseph, right? Let me just give you the thumbnail sketch of Joseph. Um, his brothers hated him. And they almost killed him. But because they were filled with compassion, instead of killing him, they sold him off into slavery. Okay, that's, that's one bad situation, right? But then Joseph becomes falsely accused of attempted rape and thrown in prison. And then while he's in prison, because of the ingratitude of the king's or the pharaoh's servant, he remains in prison for years. But miraculously... God arranged it for Joseph not only to be set free, but to be placed as second in command, right next to Pharaoh. And in that position of power, who shows up? It's his brothers. And they're looking for a handout. And when they find out it's Joseph, they are scared. They are really scared. And the truth is, is this. Joseph had every right to beat them down to put them in chains, to execute them. In fact, as you're reading the story, if you found out and Joseph executed his brothers, you'd be like, yep, makes sense. <laughs> but he doesn't. Instead, here's what he tells them. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God had organized Joseph's life, even through the evil acts of others, to put him in a place where he was able to save thousands of people from starvation and death. God has the ability to change what was meant for harm to be about good. Well, how, how's this response possible? The only way that he was able to do that is because Joseph, on a regular basis, submitted every one of his experiences to God. How do we respond when we 
have difficult circumstances. I think too often we internalize them, don't we? We're like, okay, I'm going to feel this fire of anger and rage. Right? We allow these circumstances and experiences to grow bitterness inside of us. And then that can easily lead to complaining and anger and all the rest of the stuff that we talked about earlier, right? But when we submit our experiences to God, we remember that he is the source of every good and perfect thing. And those joys that we have in our lives, we turn them back to thanksgiving and we're filled with gratitude. Or when we have those difficult moments and we say, God, this stinks. And he's like, you're right, it does stink. And he says, you know what? I experienced every single one of those difficulties that you did. And I'm here in the middle of it with you. And he's applying his comfort. And then we're reminded that God can bring good through anything. Listen, he never causes evil. He is never the author of evil. He can't do it. But he can still use it for our good and for his glory. So let me ask you, are you willing to submit your experiences to God in a continued conversation? That's what Paul talks about when he says, hey, pray without ceasing. Man, when somebody cuts us off on 64, man, they must be in need. God, will you, will you take care of them, right? Or, man, I'm super frustrated, Lord. Will you help me? He will. He will. Finally, we soak in or we walk by the Spirit through exercise. All the gym rats just popped up again. They're like, I'm there, man. Let's do it. But it's not through push-ups or through deadlifts. What I'm talking about here is spiritual exercise or spiritual discipline. And it's, it's simply this. It is something that I can do now, something I can do now to invite the Spirit to work on what I cannot do. On my own. Let me explain. We all have areas in our lives that we struggle with. I know I'm, I might be the only one, but uh, we do, right? Maybe it's complaining. Maybe it's anger issues. Maybe it's giving in to lust. You read the Bible and you recognize that is not the way I'm supposed to live and you want to stop. And so that's what you try to do, but it doesn't work, right? I mean, you read Paul. Paul's like, stop sinning. And you're like, okay, I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to try hard to stop sinning, but it doesn't work. Why? Well, the first reason is this. We are trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our own strength. And first of all, you can't produce natural fruit. You can't produce supernatural fruit either, okay? The second is this, and this is kind of mind-blowing. more regularly. Can I encourage you? Please stop doing this. That is not the way that we can produce the fruit in our lives. So what if we applied spiritual exercise instead? Let me tell you what I mean. One of these, I mean, spiritual exercises are limitless, but a lot of them we've heard of before, right? Worship, it's a spiritual exercise. Studying the Bible, it's a spiritual exercise. 
Praying is a spiritual exercise. There are core exercises. Gathering together in worship, it's a spiritual exercise. But let me tell you about one that we can apply to these areas of habitual sin. It's called fasting. Everybody's like, yes, yes. I know, I don't like fasting either. I don't like fasting either. But what is fasting? Fasting is going without food for a set period of time to allow the spirit more room to work in our lives. We skip a meal or maybe we skip several meals and we devote that time that we would be eating to prayer. What happens when we do that? Well, when we pray, we receive strength from the spirit during that time. We open ourselves up to him and he brings life into our bodies. But something else happens too. We realize that we don't have to complain or gossip or give in to lust or whatever habitual sin we're caught in. Why? Because if I can skip a regular habit of eating when I'm hungry, then I don't have to always fall prey to the habitual sin in my life. Yeah, come on, it's amazing, it's amazing. If the Spirit can help me when I'm hungry, He can empower me to live after Him, to stay in step with Him too, right? So let me ask you this. Are you willing to engage in spiritual exercises to provide room for the Spirit to work in your life? What we soak in, we will show. What we soak in, we show. Can you imagine with me what our lives, what our community would look like if we opened ourselves up to living in step with the Spirit? We'd be empowered to value every person as a gift from God. We could invite the broken on our campuses in to receive hope and healing and restoration. Our gatherings would be spaces where people could experience true joy and walk away fulfilled, free from shame. We would see God's kingdom come alive before our eyes. What we soak in, we show. Will you jump in to the Spirit tonight? Let's pray. Lord Jesus.